Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody welcome back it's another episode of simply amazing i hope everyone had a uh, nice little uh, little break we are getting into the full swing of things now uh off season is uh it's pretty much upon us uh the winter meetings kick off on monday morning which i believe this is coming out on monday so we're getting right into the uh into the swing uh taryn sharma my my faithful partner here and uh he's back in the back in the mix how's it going buddy Going well. It's going well. Uh, Celebrated my birthday this weekend. Happy uh, birthday. I didn't know that. Thank you. Turned 29. Um, and, uh, 29 so, forever, pal. Yeah. Uh, and so I had to uh, get my buddy out here, uh, Owen Lynch. Um, and Owen's a big Mets fan. And so uh, he's going to join us on the pod today. Welcome, Owen. Thanks so much, Tim and Tyron. Really excited to be here and, you know, joining the pod. Cool, man. Yeah. Let's, uh, I mean, we have a lot to talk about. The Mets... Um, I guess you could say unexpectedly, and that's across the board, whether it be fans, whether it be organization, uh, Jacob deGrom is no longer in New York Met. He's a member of the Texas Rangers. He's picked up a, a nice brand new shiny five-year, $185 million deal. That's all guaranteed. It's a sixth year. Uh, I believe it's a team option, but it's a mutual sort of thing. I'm not exactly sure on that. There's not even any monetary terms last I saw on that sixth year, unless that has changed. But um, I guess initial reactions, guys, uh, it was this one, was this expected on your parts? And two, do you think this was the not the best move for Jake, not the best move for the Mets, but could this work out okay? for the Mets, you know, outside looking in. Taryn, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, so obviously just disappointing, especially anytime that you lose a franchise icon. I know that a lot of people are comparing this to the the Seabird thing. Um, Seabird uh, was traded. I, I mean, the, the, the comparison, I, I don't think really exists there besides the fact that you have an all time great leaving the Mets and going to another team. Uh, like Steve Cohen said this week, it is uh, Jake's choice. It's his right to sign where he wants in free agency. And I guess now in hindsight, we kind of get the sense that it was trending this way. Uh, some interesting articles have come out uh, about Jake uh, not necessarily um, being interested in staying in New York. And I, I think that maybe we thought that that might be the case long-term. I mean, he was underpaid on his extension. Uh, money was going to be a major motivating factor for him. Uh, and especially with his injuries, getting a, a significant number of years. And I think that that's probably the biggest difference in, in terms of uh, the, the offers that he had from to, to come back to New York or to go to Texas. 
Uh, Texas going five years uh, with the option for the sixth, uh, whereas the Mets kind of wanted to keep it around three years and, and have it around $37 million a year. Uh, I, I thought that the Mets offer was fair and he chose to go elsewhere. And it's sad um, that he won't finish it, finish his career with the Mets, but that's the, the decision he made. Owen. Yeah, totally agree. I think that Jake's impact on the Mets was monumental. Of course, you know, I think everyone was hoping that he would lead us to the promised land, you know, get a world series out of him angering our rotation. So it's definitely disappointing that that didn't come to fruition there. But at the same time, I, I totally understand his decision to Tyrant's point, you know, the five years he's age 34, I believe right now. So he's going to be, you know, ending his you know contract with the Rangers at 39, a guy who's had a lot of injuries. You know, I think that after, if he took a three-year deal with the Mets per se, money aside, it's very likely that he's, you know, had a few more injuries during that contract. And then come age 37, he can't really get the same money in those last two years that he would have gotten in the Rangers contract that he signed. So I think that it makes sense from a business perspective. Obviously, the Rangers, I think, had 69 wins last year, something around that. So um, he's definitely choosing the money, it seems like, over the World Series um, potential aspirations, you know, which could be a factor. So um, it's always interesting when you see players between those two things. But um, definitely a bummer to lose Jake. But I think to answer your question, Tim, I think that the Mets will certainly be okay. There's a lot of great options out there. Carlos Rodin, um, you know, Senga a little bit lower tier in that sense than, than Rodin, but, you know, a great option nonetheless, I think taking a 1A and 1B approach could be a great way to fill in the void that Jake's obviously going to be leaving behind. Justin Verlander would be a dream to come true, I think, for, you know, myself and a lot of Mets fans to fill the void that Jake's leaving. So, yeah, I think a lot of good options out there, and I think we'll be quite all right. But I And I, so about the, the Rangers and, and how many wins they had last year, I've heard a lot of people kind of say that Jake chose um, the money over winning. With them bringing Bochi in, the way that they're rebuilding their farm system, uh, the the possibility of them in a couple of years of having uh, Jake, uh, Jack Leiter, and uh, uh, Kumar Rocker in their rotation. Given all the money that they've spent also in the middle of their infield, it's possible that they could be good uh, Like further on down the line. I know that right now we're entering the beginning of that three to five year window that uh, Steve talked about in terms of wanting to win. Uh, a world series. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that he's going from like a, a win now situation where there is a lot of pressure and it's especially New York uh, to, uh, to going to a, a situation that, um, you know, they would like to win. I, I don't think that there's all that pressure on them, uh, but I think he'll have a great manager and Bruce Bochy there um, as well. I, I, for me, it's just sad that after he became the best pitcher in the world, we basically had like one playoff start from him. Um, and that, you know, that's on the Mets also to, they didn't um, do enough at the other parts of, of the team to improve it to the, that point uh, so that we could have more of those situations, but he went out as a, a winner here and um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have seen him pitch for the Mets for many years and, and, go from unheralded prospect to being best pitcher in the world. But um, that, that part of it is a bit of a bummer for me. Well, sure. I mean, you know, the, the legacy itself is, is always tough, especially in a situation like this, which on a couple of different levels, it's very unique. Um, you know, publicly Jacob DeGrom has said many times um, 
you know, always wanted, uh, always thought it would be cool to stay with one team his whole career. Um, said multiple times that he had liked New York. And I guess, you know, behind the scenes and now after the deal is done, uh, you start to hear other other versions of, of of how things were going down, what kind of feelings you saw. And, you know, that that that's going to happen. That's just the natural order of things. Um, as far as Jake's trajectory as a pitcher and where he's landing in Texas, you know, this isn't your typical 34-year-old, you know, Hall of Fame trajectory guy. It, it, he he started late. He was 26 when he made his debut. Um, in the last, I don't know, I'm going back to the start of 2021. He's only made 24 starts, even including the uh, 26 starts, even including the COVID season, which, you know, he's lights out for that first half of the season. Um, he, only, he only had he's had 12 starts. Uh, excuse me. 38 starts total since the start of 2020. You know, this is a guy who has does not have a lot of mileage on him. He has had some issues recently, injury-wise, and it's been a recurring theme. So naturally, there's going to be a lot of risk on the Rangers' side. But the offense they've put together, the willingness of that ownership to keep on spending money as they have, and I think you have to assume there will be additional moves because, you know, Jake and the remaining starters they have in Texas right now, which I believe, I believe is John Gray, Martin Perez, and tip of my tongue. I can't think of the other guy. Anyway, um, there's pieces to fill if they do want to contend. And judging by how they're spending, I think contention is well within their their reach, maybe not this season, but soon. Um, you know, Adolis Garcia. Adolis Garcia is a terrific player who who – kind of falls under the razor under the radar he was a later rookie uh hits the cover off the ball you have so many pieces in in Simeon and, and Seeger and um uh who's the uh Josh La uh, Josh Lowe who had a real breakout season uh with Texas last year you know you have a lot of pieces in place you know a great manager and Bruce Boshi there's gonna be um an extra buzz with a player like DeGrom on that roster. And in, in that sense, you know, I'm happy for that organization going ahead and, and moving forward. That being said, I mean, this leaves the Mets with, you know, internally, I'm sure they had a, a contingency plan for this, but it leaves the Mets with, with decisions to make. I mean, you had, what was it? A total of 11 starts last year of uh, Max and, and Jake combined. I believe it was 11. Maybe it was even less than that. Um, you know, this was by all accounts, this was going to be, you know, for the next few years, this was your tandem. And now the Mets kind of have to rework that. I know you guys were, were talking a bit about Verlander. What's your, um, what's your take on spending Jake level yearly money? You're looking at probably North of 40 million or at least, you know, 37, five plus. Um, over let's assume two years with a third option for Verlander. This is a guy who's 39 years old. There's risk involved with anybody. And we'll talk about Carlos Rodon too, but when it comes to Verlander, he's such an elite pitcher and even at an advanced age, he's been so productive and so consistently productive. I mean, you know, going back to 2018, I have the numbers here. Jacob DeGrom has a 2.05 ERA and Verlander has a 2.33 ERA. I mean, these guys are, are very, very similar. Uh, Verlander has 
less walks per nine than DeGrom over that span. DeGrom has just a shade higher at 12.2 K per nine to uh, 11 point, just a shade under 11.4 for Verlander. You know, they're very um, comparable. Now, again, Jake is much younger. Verlander can absolutely be that 1A, 1B with Max Scherzer if the Mets want to go that route. Guys, yeah. if it's your money and you're going that three, that two plus, let's say three with an option year, um, with an option year tied in, are you willing to kick in $40 million a year for Justin Verlander to fill that gap that Jacob DeGrom left? Uh, given that it's not my money, yeah. yeah well, no, yeah. I, I, totally <laughs> under the preface that it's not your money. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think uh, Verlander and Scherzer would be a great uh, and, and dominant one two. Um, he just recently had the reconstructive surgery on his elbow, so uh, hopefully he's got a good number of innings left in that. And um, I, I, I just think that he's like a, a, a gamer, even despite some of the struggles that he's had in the playoffs. Um, and I, I, I really like Verlander, and I think that he uh, continues to build that edge for the team. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I would love to have Verlander on the Mets. I think that perfectly in line with Steve's window of, you know, three to five years for a championship. Yeah. Adding a guy like Justin Verlander really quickly, although Jake will never be replaced, the Mets fans will still miss him. I think adding a guy like Verlander quickly fills the void that would otherwise be left as much as we can um, with one other arm. So I'd yeah. love to have him on the team. And you talk about buzz. I, I think that he would also bring that as well. I think that he's a guy that's really well regarded. I think that he would fit in well in the clubhouse. Um, I, yeah, I, I think uh, uh, Verlander would be a great addition. One thing with um, like thinking about who the the Mets could get, I, I felt like uh, last year there was kind of a concern over the fact that there wasn't a, a strong lefty presence in the, uh, in the bullpen and uh, or, or on the staff. And so bringing in Rodon, I think changes that it, it sort of solves that issue uh if you're comfortable with how his medicals look and you know i if the mets are going to be paying that amount of money i would feel confident that they would have a good look at those well he hasn't been um really an, an injury risk you know per se there was some in um i guess elbow inflammation back in 2019 he looks to have gotten past that he's had some shoulder soreness and this this stuck with him through into the minors is kind of messed him a little bit. 2017, 2017, 2018, did some rehab. It stayed away from him until, I want to say he had some soreness in 2020. And it's mostly been okay. I believe he was on the IL this year, but they did not specify as to what. But, oh no, that was only for a couple of days. My apologies. Um, I, I like Rodon. I think he's got, I mean, statistically, he's got one of the more, uh, efficient, effective, productive, foreseen fastballs in baseball. I mean, he's had that repertoire going for him uh, in, in even in Chicago. I mean, Dylan Cease, the action that he's been able to see off of his foreseen, where he's worked in, he worked in tandem pretty much with Carlos Rodon, and they were able to really put those pieces together. And I think that, you know, at 30 years old, every pitcher has some injury issues. I, you know, I wouldn't anticipate or, or speculate that he's a, a, a candidate for, for a, a serious thing, but if it happens, it happens. I mean, if you're willing to throw $40 million at a 40 year old pitcher, 
you know, if you're going to take it a little less, uh, a little longer and a little less AAV for Rodon, for a guy who's had some injury issues in the past, I'm okay with that. I think that he is a solid, I mean, on this roster, he'd be a, a two or a one B behind Max. Any other rotation in baseball, I mean, Rodon is, is, is an ace. He, he's, yeah. he's been that guy and I, I would be all for it. If I, if it was my choice and I had to say two for Verlander or you're probably looking at five for Rodon, I, I think I might go Rodon just because it, it, you know, he's got such upside and ace potential. Um, you know, Verlander will be a great stock gap. And really if Steve Cohen wants to go all out, just go both. If you're going to commit to Verlander for two and commit to Rodon for five, you know, it looks like you have their, the the front of your rotation pretty much bridged out for the next few years, right? Yeah. And, and last year he threw 178 mm-hmm. innings. That's the most that he's ever thrown. Uh, it's the most that he's thrown uh, in, in 2016. He had 165 innings. So um, he's shown that he can do that. I know that he had those injured seasons that you – talked about kind of in the middle of his career um, when he was building up to his prime. But I mean, if he could stay healthy, I think that he, uh, yeah, I, I think he's tremendous. Yeah, they, you, know, you guys still have to kind of work out the, the middle to back end. I mean, you got cookie Carrasco back there, but um, I, I honestly, I don't think Taiwan Walker is, is going to end up coming back. I think that he'll get a nice deal somewhere. For some reason, I think that he's going to land him in, in Arizona. I think that's a perfect spot. He's from there. Um, they could certainly use going back there. Oh, going back there. That's right. Of course. Yeah. I, in my head, he's always in Seattle. In my head, I completely forgot he was there. But that yeah, I could see them solidifying the middle of their rotation with a Taiwan Walker. And I don't know if you guys saw um, Zach Allen had he tweeted out eye emojis last week. I was really under the pressure he was going to go, but nothing yet. But I mean, just I love free that, agency. That. Oh my gosh, what a great pitcher! Great. But just free agency. I mean, you got Andrew Heaney, you got Jamison Tyon, um, Michael Walker's still out there, who has been terrific since he left the Mets. Uh, you know, Ryan Arbro's out there. There's certainly going to be available depth and and middle to back end options. But you know, you le- you lose Jake, and you kind of you definitely have to fill in that front spot. Um, either of you heard anything about Kode Sanga? I haven't heard about that, but I heard I did hear that last week on Tyon that the Mets made an aggressive push to push to try to lock down a deal with him, and that for whatever reason it didn't come to fruition. Who knows if that was because of them devoting time to you know other players as well, or if he kind of just wanted to do a little bit more diligence, take his time, and see what else was out there. But it seems like he's definitely you know strongly on the Mets radar right now as well. So that could be a good fit, I think potentially. Oh, for sure, absolutely. As is Senga. So Senga, they uh, they met with him in mid-November, and uh, and I think that there is some interest there. Um, he, again, would be a, a great fit, a uh, really good number three, I think, uh, if you're looking for somebody to take the kind of Bassett spot. Um, and, and then Bassett is still out there, too, and I don't think that they've necessarily shut the, shut the door on his return. So... Um, he would be another option to to go back to if uh, if they decide that they don't like what else is out there. See, I, I'm okay with with kicking the tires on Johnny Cueto. I thought that he he stepped up really well for the White Sox last year when they needed him. Um, 
just, you know, model consistency. Again, he's not going to be a frontline guy, but he's going to eat up innings and he's going to give you outs. And he's, I love that delivery. I love, I, I like everything about Johnny Cueto, but that's I love Johnny Cueto. <laughs> um, Danny Duffy, I believe, is back out here. And I believe he's going to be healthy for the spring. If not for the spring, then some point earlier in the year. I would love to kick tires. I mean, these are all like upside guys. I know this is in, in old Mets years, they would look for these type of guys to like plug into the rotation. No, I, I'm I'm fine with with minor league free agent and I mean uh, spring training invites with guys who can you stick them in Syracuse and and if you do need it you have capable depth. I think the Mets came into last season, you know, building for that and they did really well with it. I just you know with the momentum that they had, not this is not a knock on David Peterson. This is not a knock on. Uh, is Lucchese still here? I forgot. Did he get DFA'd? No, he's still here, right? Lucchese? He's still there. Yeah. I th- I know he was mentioned as a possibility, but, you know, these are all guys who could be depth, but you need more than that. And I think that they have, the Mets have to find themselves in a similar position to, to continue the trajectory that they found themselves on last year. You don't win 101 games for nothing. They had a really, really nice plan in place, but uh, boy, they're, they're going to need to, um, you know, get back to where they were personnel wise, vibe wise, whatever, however you want to look at it and probably go above and beyond because 101 wins didn't even get to the division. So, you know, you have to, um, it's going to be a lot to decide. And this is, you know, not even on the pitching side. They they still have kinks to work out in their um on their positional side. But we I guess we can get to that after the break, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good point, Tim. Because especially if you take on an aging Verlander, you know, regardless of how good he looked last year with him, Max anchoring a rotation, you got two you know on the very older side aces that you're counting on, and then you get down the stretch. You know, if if there's an injury to either one of those guys, you insulate yourselves a lot from the injury bug having these guys like a Johnny Cueto or a Danny Duffy in the wings waiting to, you know, give you a spot start or, you know, give you five starts in a row, something like that. So I think down the stretch, that'd be huge from a depth depth standpoint. I think that's why you get a guy like Hefner and keep him on staff, right? Is that he is able to work with these guys and, and get the most out of them. Oh, and then you think that like, you know, when, when these guys are all sitting in their quote-unquote war room and saying, all right, who might be a good option for us? You know, I'm sure they're looking at metrics and I'm sure they're looking at makeup or whatever these these front offices are looking at guys and saying, oh, you know what? This guy might have had some down times, but he's a model of consistency. He's a workhorse. You know, whatever might be a fit for them. You know, you look at a guy like, like Quaid or you look at a guy like Jamison Tyon who – had some really, really nice stretches for the Yankees last year. Um, I would be perfectly fine having him in that three to five mix. You know, pretty much in my head, it would be like taking out Taiwan Walker and putting in Jamison Tyon. It's almost, I don't want to say a similar pitcher, but it's almost that level of back end solid depth. And I think he would be fine here. But yeah, the Mets really need to, they need to assess what they want to do with that front end, not this year. And, and I mean, not just this year, but moving into 
next year and through Max's contract. And let's say Verlander's got another year tacked onto that. If he comes in, like, you know, you almost have to look into this window and say, well, what's after this? You hate flying by the seat of your pants. And it feels like Jacob deGrom kind of did that. And they, they're going to have to get themselves situated and and just find solid ground again. And I think the only way to do that is to, to, to you know, bulk up that front end and then just, you know, add add so much depth to that three, four, five, six, seven, eight gap in your uh, rotation or, 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 you know, swing man roll, whatever you want to look at it. Well, that's again another issue the fact that they haven't really developed a ton of pitching since the you know the so-called like five aces um, <laughs> now they're all gone yeah they're all yeah gone. so um i i think that you will have to spend heavily on that and that that still remains the fact and we can talk about it after the break but yeah. uh the uh lineup needs help you can't run it back the same way that it was this year no all right let's we'll take a quick break because we yeah we have to we we have like three more four more uh check pod check marks on the list here so we'll knock that out all right hang tight hang and listen to the uh to the ads we'll be right back when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Tim Ryder from the Apple, Taryn Sharma, and our buddy Owen Lynch. Owen Lynch, you've a um, well-spoken buddy of, of Taryn's. Uh, it, really, it's been a pleasure to have you on so far. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to be on. Nice, nice gentleman to talk Mets baseball with. Never going to turn that down. So, All right. <laughs> yeah, we like it. So, um, I'm not sure if you guys were on Twitter uh, through through NFL Sunday today. Um, Sean Murphy backstop for the Oakland athletics is apparently on the trade block, which he, you know, this is one, it's the athletics. So they're always on the trade block. And two, he's kind of been whispered in those rumors in the past. Sean Murphy, um, hell of a catcher, great, great arm, excellent framer hits tanks. hits for like a two forty two fifty average, but boy, you know, he, he's going to get hot and he's going to hit you with, you know, 15 extra base hits in a month. He, he's, he's that impressive. And uh, as we've spoken about on the show in the past, you know, he's just got like one of the most impressive backsides in in Major League history. If they, if they had stats for that, I'm sure he would leave. But um, <laughs> the Mets, as we know, need depth at catcher. James McCann has not been what the Mets hoped they would. He's not been what anybody kind of expected he would. Still has time to change. He's still a youngish player. He's, you know, had some injury issues. But yeah, he hasn't been great. Tomas Nito is one of the best defensive catchers in baseball, but in today's game, you need offense. Yeah. No, Sean Murphy is not going to hit 290. He's not going to be, you know, Buster Posey reincarnated, but he will give you pop. He'll give you good defense. Not that the Mets have been mentioned as a possibility, but given the Mets' need for additional catching depth, additional catching talent. Um, 
the possibility that Francisco Alvarez might not be behind the plate. He might be situated in a DH type role next year. If you're the Mets, are you pushing in for for a Sean Murphy type guy? Are you going in for a an addition at the catching position? Yeah, I think it depends on the cost, right? But uh, but I I would prefer to have him back there than James McCann. Agreed. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of it would also be how defensively sound they see Alvarez being potentially in the viability there. Yeah. I think that if they think, you know, it's going to be a little bit of harder, harder work in, you know, camp on his defense and then the progression over time of getting better, kind of like when people thought Pete was a liability at first, now he's gotten to a respectable level. Yeah. Then I think that, you know, Alvarez is definitely the long-term answer, but I think to Taryn's point, you know, if we can get a good trade for Murphy to be, you know, that guy for either the long haul and then put Alvarez as the DH or, you know, have Murphy for a couple years at catcher um, and then transition to Alvarez there in the long haul. I think both those could be good options if the cost isn't too high. And to the the point on Alvarez, I think bringing in Sean Murphy or, and and having a guy like that who's an established catcher that can give you a little bit something and he is uh, good behind the plate, I think that really removes a lot of the pressure that there will be on Francisco Alvarez because – if uh, if Alvarez comes up and he's hitting, like it would be nice to be able to continue to use the DH spot in the way that they were this year, uh, kind of like to give Pete a day off, to get uh, Daniel Vogel back in there. Um, and, and so if you don't have to have a everyday DH kind of player, uh, and especially not your young catcher, giving him more experience behind the plate, but also uh, you know having somebody that you can really rely on uh, back there, like Sean Murphy and his giant wagon. Um, was- <laughs> but like, and someone brought this up at the Queens baseball convention on, on Saturday, which was a great time. If you guys were there, um, thank you. It was so much fun. I was lucky enough to be on a, on a panel, but someone brought in, um, uh, someone brought up, uh, Josh Bell's name. And we've spoken about Josh Bell on the show here in the past. And you know, he, he's, a, he's a beast. He's an offensive beast. He would be an ideal designated hitter type, you know, whether it be a DH, whether it be spelling Pete at first base, he's he can be that guy. He had a very, very tough second half last year, him and Juan Soto in, in San Diego after coming over. But if you look at their metrics, they really weren't seeing a lot of strikes. Um, Josh Bell to the – point that you know he was league leaders in lowest first pitch strike rate lowest strike 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 rate in general um you know he was probably i guess bottom 20 in both of those stats i think that he would be a tremendous addition to shore up whether it's dh whether it's getting reps at first base but I think it's going to be almost a domino effect of, okay, what do we have now and what can we do to improve on that? And that whether it's for Sean Murphy, whether it's for Josh Bell, whether it's, you know, you have to kind of wonder about what happens with Brandon Nimmo now. Brandon Nimmo is a, is a fine center fielder. He's going to command big money. He's played a hundred games in his career twice, but when he has played, he's been, one of the more productive players in baseball. It is the quagmire of every quandary you could ever possibly think of. It, like the Mets have to look at every spot in their roster and say, what's going to work for us? What can we do to make it better? And, and then they have to <laughs> make it work, let it work out, or, or at least, you know, usher in development. So it does take hold. Uh, it's, 
you know, everyone wants to look at, you know, the Mets did well and they came up short and they got all this momentum. But, man, if you really dig into this, they have a lot of holes to fill if they want to keep up with teams like the like the Braves and the Dodgers and now the Phillies who finally found their lightning in a bottle. Um, You know, what if, you know, Philadelphia gets Trey Turner? What if San Diego gets Trey Turner? The landscape is just constantly shifting in the NL. It's going to be – going to be up to the Mets and every other team to you know keep up yeah and and I think Turner would be a great fit here he's a guy that some some center field also and um you know there's one name out there that I think instantly not only fills a hole defensively but uh fundamentally changes the lineup and uh it's not going to happen but judge and so (laughs) if Steve could make that happen if you could spend the money that it will take to like make that Godfather offer and get Judge here. I, I think that that is like such a slam dunk for this team and and their needs. Oh my goodness! Uh, whether it's Judge, I mean, you know, if the Mets really want to go make splashes, you know, you have right now uh, at least you have some very high end prospects. If the Mets are willing or are interested in going that route, you know, they could theoretically make very, very strong pushes for some very, very big players, whether it be on the trade front, whether it be via judge uh, in free agency. They they kind of have the world in their hands, but it's kind of up to them and it's up to that three to five year plan and it's up to sustainability. And <sighs> again, when it's not your money, it's so nice to be like, oh yeah, let's trade all the good prospects for Otani. Let's go sign Judge and let's go sign Rodon and Verlander too and just go win a World Series. But, you know, there's so much more to it. Yeah. And it takes two, right? Like the guy has to be willing to uh, play here. So I think Otani kind of has that itch. I know he has the, 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 the past with Epler. I'm very curious to see whether Epler survives this season. I think this is his make or break year, right? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. His contract doesn't even go after this year, right? Is that right? Oh, I thought he had another one after this. Yeah, I saw a report earlier from, I believe, Ken Rosenthal that said that there were speculations that this is, as you said, Tim, you know, Epler's make or break year, especially with David Stearns being available next year, potentially. Um, So I think there's a lot of pressure on him to really perform as the GM this year. And I think that this offseason, if we can make a huge splash, not only to win a World Series, but to also give Epler some peace of mind and really make sure he's, you know, leaving no stone unturned in his, you know, quest to, to ensure he saves his job. I think that's also another factor, right? Psychology behind it. James Click is also out there. Yeah. And he just won a World Series. Yeah. And, and oh, did you see Jeff Bagwell's comments on, on James Click and the Astros going uh, just, I guess, too far into um, the, the metrics and the analytics and this is coming off a team winning a World Series, right? Not, not just one. Like, you know, they <laughs> two, whatever they did in 2017, like, obviously they were cheating. Uh, we don't know who else was doing that. But, um, and, and then uh, a couple other pennants sprinkled in there. This is like the golden era of Astros baseball. <laughs> and, and, like, complaining about anything that they've been doing, uh, if you're a fan of theirs, is... Uh, <laughs> Mind-boggling. Only thing worse was that soul patch that was like three and a half inches long. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Jeff Bagwell. I'm not sure if you're a listener, but that, yeah, it's got to go, pal. It's got to go. <laughs> He's fuming somewhere in Texas. 
<laughs> hey, we've talked about Jeff Bagwell and his um his you know I was I was a kid when you know in the nineties and Jeff Bagwell was outstanding. Man, he he was probably in like an beyond an MVP level stratosphere one season. I want to say it was ninety six, and he got hit by a pitch in August, and he broke a, the the hamate bone in his hand. They put a pad on the end of his glove. This thing must have been three inches thick. <laughs> I, I, I really want to say that we had this conversation on this show. Every player should be wearing these things. This thing, you couldn't get through his bone if you tried. You could swing a baseball bat at it. You couldn't break his freaking hand, freaking hand again. Sorry. <laughs> Amazing. But, yeah, now he's just got a, a soul patch that I don't even think you could call it a soul patch anymore. It's like a, it's a cabbage patch, I think. <laughs> oh. Oh, and what are you? What are you up to, man? What are you? You're traveling with uh, with Taryn this weekend? Yeah, so I'm a big Jets fan as well as Mets fan. So um, when I heard the Jets were playing the Vikings out in Minnesota, and it, it coincided with Taryn's birthday weekend, I figured it's perfect time to you know get out from the the tri-state area to come you know visit him and watch the Jets you know hopefully win. But you know I ended up losing a heartbreaker today. I'm not sure. It was uh, a great game. It was a great game. Yeah, Tim, I'm not sure if you're a Jets fan as well, but um, great great action for sure. Oh, I'm a Giants fan, and we got to watch our team tie today, which is <laughs> just so silly. You know, I, I, I um, I'm a, I'm a football fan. I played football my whole life. I, I'm more of a baseball fan than football fan. I'm more of just, you know, whatever. I don't lose my mind over the Giants, but boy, that was just so disappointing. I, I really want NCAA overtime rules to be moved into NFL. And, you know, start it from the 25, do whatever you got to do. That, that's really how it should be. But this is not a football podcast. We can get into it, but we'll have to start another different different show. <laughs> what do you think about uh, Brian Reynolds, Tim? Do you think he's a good fit for the Mets, potentially, if the Pirates will move him? What are, what are your thoughts on him? Well, before you answer that, uh, let me just the, – we can talk about the proposed trade that, uh, that Lennon uh, was talking about on SMY, but it, it, we would receive Brian Reynolds and then it would be Parada, Alex Ramirez, Mark Vientos and Dominic Hamill. That's too much. I, yeah. I would, I would swap out and I was having, I was talking with the boys over at Mets, Mets up this, this weekend. Um, I think we would switch out Ziegler, keep Hamill and uh, I would do Vientos and one <sighs> Vientos and Ramirez. Oh, I think we're we're just about out of time, though. I'm going to put a pin in this because I do feel like Brian Reynolds, even though the Pittsburgh Pirates will never say they'll trade him, I do think he will be traded. And this is going to be uh, fodder for uh, for Friday's episode, I believe. Um, Taryn, Owen, can't thank you guys enough for joining us. Guys, we'll be, we'll be back later in the week because winter meetings, things should be cooking. Wow. Um, and you know the sign-off. Let's fucking go Mets. I can't – I'm so happy we're back. Taryn, Owen, thank you guys again. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next time. It's Let's Go Mets, and uh, that's all we got. Peace. 